0: Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, the podcast where we delve into the world of CMS systems and their crucial role in website and web content development. In each episode, we'll explore the reasons why founders, CEOs, CTOs, and CMOs of web content development companies need CMS systems to thrive in the digital landscape. Get ready to uncover the secrets behind successful website management, content creation, and seamless
1: user experiences. Here's your host. Jonathan Ames. Welcome to the Cutting Edge Web Content Development Podcast by Butter CMS. Joining me today is Rami Aboud. He's the founder and CEO of Arch Web Design, specialized team with a mission to supercharge SaaS companies through high converting websites. So Rami, you've got a couple of really interesting things in your background that I wanted to go over first. Your profile, you talked about how you started out Photoshopping Backstreet Boys, moved on to be an IBM engineer and now an agency founder. That's quite a unicorn experience. So tell me a little bit about that progression.
2: For sure, Jonathan. First of all, thanks so much for having me here. I appreciate it. For anyone that knows me, Backstreet Boys are my favorite band of all time, and I'm not afraid to share that.
1: All right. Which is your favorite song?
2: Oh, it's a tough one. Who's your favorite kid? I would say uh, favorite one is called Climbing the Walls.
1: It's not a very well-known one. I'll admit to a few Backstreet Boys songs on my playlist, so it's okay. It's good stuff.
2: Basically, when I was 13 years old, I took my first web design and graphic design course. That's where I learned how to make websites. Back in the day, we used to use HTML and CSS and you know the boring stuff, like hard-coded, and also graphic design, so that's where I learned Photoshop. So I remember when I first found Photoshop, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you could do it. like manipulate anything on any picture. So like, naturally, I took a Backstreet Boy picture online and I just started, you know, playing around with their faces, swapping them out and things like that. So that's kind of how I got my start in web and graphic design.
1: Nice. Now, how did you make that, that transition then to working at IBM as an engineer?
2: So basically, when I studied in university, I studied electrical engineering. Got my bachelor's degree in that. And then I worked at IBM for a few years, but I hated it from day one, like from the first class of engineering to, you know, every single day of my life was just kind of a nightmare working as an engineer. It just wasn't creative enough for me. So I worked as an engineer for a bit and then I just made a decision in my early 20s that I didn't want to do that anymore. So I quit my job at IBM and I went back to school and got my degree in web development and graphic design. And that's kind of how I transitioned. So after I got my degree, I worked as a web developer and UX designer for about seven or eight years in the corporate world. And then I just always wanted to start my own business. I knew that I was going to start my own business at some point. And when I was 30 years old, Jonathan, I made the jump. So I had been thinking about it in my mind for, you know, five or six years. Like, I really want to start my own business. I want to start my own business. But I just didn't have the courage or the guts to do it. And scary. <laughs> um,
1: Especially if you have a paycheck. It is fear when you're like in college. But when you have a paycheck and you got bills to pay, then it's some work.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was working at the government at the time. And I don't know if you know, but like the government, they call it golden handcuffs. Because you're just so comfortable. You know, you're making a good salary. You have good benefits, pension all that stuff. So my mind was like, ah, oh, I should stay. But my heart is like, no, you need to quit. You need to quit. So when I was 30, I went through a big breakup, a very pivotal moment for me and just gave me that push to finally start chasing my dreams. So I quit my job. I had always wanted to travel. So I started traveling as well and just made it happen from there.
1: That's a cool story. So from a relationship breakup to pivotal moment to maybe that's a catalyst so that people can take. That. You're wanting to start your own business. Break up with your girlfriend, so much easier. I
2: mean, she broke up with me. I didn't. I to be clear, I didn't want the breakup to happen.
1: Maybe that you should thank her for that. Say, hey, thanks for giving me this catalyst moment. All right. So you've worked now. You've you started your own business. Been successful at that. Talk about some strategic tips here as far as like website planning. You know, you have a process when you work with a company to either create a new website or do a redesign. What are some tips you could give on the strategy phase there for other people who are listening?
2: Great question. So we only work with SaaS companies. So I can give you tips on that. And I'm sure some of these tips will translate across industries, but we've only tested them for SaaS. So we know they work very well here. But I'm sure they would work for, you know, almost any website. So there's a few big mistakes we're seeing a lot of SaaS companies making, especially in the last, you know, year or two. So I think these are actually pretty actionable and hopefully they can help a lot of your audience here. But the first one would be, basically you want to have a killer offer on the homepage hero section. Okay, that's number one, the biggest lever you can pull right away. You can make that change pretty quickly. The hero section, for those of you that don't know, is basically the first section that pops up when you load the website. right? So on that section, there's a heading. For example, let's say you're a CRM. This is a real world example. So I've seen a CRM. The heading, the smart, simple online CRM. Okay, so that's nice. Like it tells you what it is. Of course, you're a CRM, but there's a thousand CRMs out there, right? So that heading or that offer is not super enticing. Now, if you contrast that with something like, you know, triple your revenue and automate your sales pipeline in three easy steps, you know, sign up for free for 30 days, no credit card required you can kind of see the difference between that versus the smart, simple online CRM, right? Which one would you rather buy from?
1: Well, yeah, the first one's like, it's a good positioning statement, but it's about the software, about the product. Whereas the second one you detailed is about the customer, what it could provide for them. So, yeah. Exactly.
2: All about the customer. That's kind of the mindset you have to have. So basically we've come up with a three-step formula for these killer offers. So step one, What is the desired outcome that your user wants? Just like you alluded to, John. So what does your user want? And this is where the market research comes into play. You have to research the market. You have to know what your users want. Of course, this is step one. But once you figure out that what they want, then you can kind of use that for your messaging. So that's step one. What's the desired outcome? Number two, what's the level of effort or time frame? So sign up for free for 30 days, no credit card required or, you know, automate your sales pipeline in three easy steps, kind of goes there. The last step of the formula would be a power guarantee. So how do you guarantee the results? So again, you know, sign up for free for 30 days. You know, there's no risk there that you try it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, there's no risk on your end. That's the guarantee. So that's the first one. That's the biggest lever you can pull. And it's, you know, fairly quick. If you have the market research already, if you know what your users want, it's fairly easy to implement in your website. And you can also use it for your other marketing materials as well.
1: So when you work with websites, traditionally, are you working more with brand new sites where you're coming out of nowhere? Or is it traditionally a redesign that you see? So when we first started out,
2: we were working with a lot of startups that didn't have a website. And they also didn't have product market fit. So that was the first year or so. And we did okay. We got solid results, but not as much as I wanted. So. Basically, we kind of made a small pivot. Now we only work with people above a certain revenue range and that already have product market fit. That's the big one because we want to work with people with the PMF because, you know, that takes a lot of work and we can't necessarily help every single company with that. So we want to work with people who already have that because we know if you have that, we can help you scale so much more than if you're just starting.
1: So for somebody who's, for instance, they've had their site around for a while, Maybe they've had some success. How do they determine I have a good product market fit and now I'm ready to kind of do these redesigns like you're talking about?
2: It's all about the revenue. Are people buying it? It depends on your goals. Like there's no magic number. It depends on the product and you know, price point and all that. But, you know, if people are buying the product, that is how you can figure out that you have the right PMF or product market fit. Once there's some revenue coming in, yeah, that's a good indicator that, you know, people are, need the product.
1: Yeah. All right. Any other things from a strategy perspective when you're first working with one of these site redesigns that you might give as us-
2: I have a ton. I'll give out three here. Uh, just, I don't want to take up you know three hours of everyone's time. But the second one would be the onboarding flow. So there's a stat out there. I believe it's 71% of users actually leave during the onboarding. So that's a huge chunk of your users that are leaving. So In a nutshell, what you want to do is you want to make the onboarding quick and simple and you want to help the user bring their stuff into your product, okay? So you want to make sure the onboarding doesn't take too long. You want to make sure they set up the app in their dashboard and provide help and support during the onboarding if they get stuck. For example, Slack is a good one. That's a really good example. So with Slack, during their onboarding, you can actually invite your teammates and create channels right in the onboarding so that once the onboarding is done, you're ready to go. So you have the teammates in there, you have the channels made, and now you can just start using the product. That's a great example of good onboarding. And it's very simple and intuitive. So tweak your onboarding flow, revise it, test it with your users. I think that's gonna really help with
1: revenue. Now this brings a good connection. I mean, typically when you're talking about a SaaS and onboarding, now you're inside the app. But before you get to the app, when you're still pitching the free trial, There, how do you set up a good flow between I'm pitching the offer and now I'm delivering in the onboarding? How do those two fit together from your perspective as website design?
2: So that is more of a sales question, I would say that and we do provide consulting on that. There's no one size fits all here, unfortunately. So in terms going from the part where you know you get the lead on the website to booking the demo to you know, onboarding, I think it depends. Like I would say that you want to make it as easy as possible for them. So if we kind of look at our example from before, you know, sign up for free for 30 days. So you want to be able to get them into your app as quick as possible. So sign up for free for 30 days. They click there and then the onboarding starts. Okay, so you want that to be a quick two to three minute process max. Not much longer than that or else the 71% drop off rate will come into play. And then after that two to three minutes, they should be in your app using it. Now, if it's something that they need, hopefully they'll be able to see the value right away and they could start, you know, getting that value up front. So I don't know if I answered your question exactly, Jonathan, because it kind of depends on product, but the general idea is you want to make it as easy and quick as and get them in there as, as fast as possible.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering from a standpoint, does sometimes SaaS's set them up to make it more difficult when they're in the sales page? for their onboarding process. Maybe either because they don't set expectations correctly or because maybe they overpromise, could be. And then, so there's kind of a question there as far as you're creating that content ahead of that onboarding phase. What content do you want to give them to make sure that they have a successful onboard? So I don't know if there's something, there's a connection there.
2: It's a great point. And another thing that just came to mind is something we found that works well as well is You know, you get them onboarded and ready to go and then you have offer a drip campaign. So every day, let's say you send out an email teaching them a new feature or how you can better use the app. Like, let's say you're a CRM. Like, hey, here's an example of, you know, one of our clients who made $25,000 last month through our email campaigns or something like that. So if if you just keep providing value through a drip campaign or through whatever means, then, you know, showing them how, They can use your product to make money that typically lends to lower churn in your users.
1: So any other things you want to talk about on the strategy side? Otherwise, we'll switch into tactical.
2: Sure. I'll give you just two more quick ones. So number three, provide solutions, not features. A lot of people do this. So you want to talk about the solutions and the benefits and not just the features, the tech specs, basically. Like, let's say you're going to buy a new iPhone, right? You don't care if it has a 12-megapixel front camera. That would be a feature. You care that it takes great selfies. So that would be a benefit or solution. So the way you can action this in your website is turn the featured pages into solutions pages. So that's a quick tip there. And then last one I'll give here, I promise, above the fold. So this one is super actionable as well. So above the fold is basically anything you see before you start scrolling on the homepage make sure you have your killer offer in there, which we discussed. Make sure you have two calls to action. Okay. One right underneath the offer and one in the nav bar, which most people do, but I want to make sure that's in there. And then the last thing you want to have is some sort of social proof, again, above the fold before people start scrolling. So logos of clients you've worked with, testimonials, things like that. Make sure that's all above the fold. That's all I'll give for today. I promise. (laughs) That's
1: good. We'll switch to tactical. So You have a passion for conversion rate optimization, for trying to improve conversion rates. What would you talk to in in that vein?
2: So basically, what we specialize in is making marketing websites for SaaS companies, okay? So what's the point of marketing is to get more users, all right? So basically, every tip that I just shared with the goal of increasing your conversion rate. So everything I mentioned has that goal in mind and Everything we do from a design perspective to a research perspective to copy has a common goal of turning those visitors into leads and then eventually users
1: on your homepage or your website. So for doing on SaaS, you know, conversion rate optimization, you know, you talked about from the homepage, you know, some of the things that could help with conversion rate. Are there any other typical spots to a SaaS website that usually you you focus on first when doing a redesign?
2: Again, big topic here. I would say the most important thing before we do anything is market research. Researching what the users want and then crafting the messaging to give it to them. So it encompasses the entire website. So that goes from the design framework, which is, you know, what sections are on each page? What order are they in? How should they be designed in order to have the best user experience and optimize for conversions? To the site architecture, so site architecture is what pages are on your website, AKA the sitemap. And also how you organize the pages, how the navbar looks and how easy it is to go from one place to another, or basically how users can find information and be educated about your product. And then all the way down to messaging. So the messaging or the copy on the website Again, super important, one of the most important convergence factors on there.
1: I know one of the things I've uh, seen across the years is typically those who are not in the marketing space, when you talk to them about a redesign, research is not what they're thinking. They're like, you're the expert, just go do it (laughs) and make it happen. And so how do you unpack research for someone who's not in the marketing world and help them understand how they do that, what that means? and how it's going to translate to value for them on their website.
2: So luckily in the SaaS space, I find most people understand the value of market research because they know that if they just build a product and never ask their users what they want, chances are it's not gonna be as good or it's gonna fail. So in the SaaS space, I would say they're pretty well informed about market research luckily. Other spaces, I'm sure, are not like for servicing dentists or doctors. They probably wouldn't understand the need for it. But let's say I were talking to someone who didn't understand it. I would basically tell them this, like, you're in the SaaS space. If you're going to build a product and you just think it's a good idea, but you never asked your users what they want, then you're going to build a product that may be cool for you or may be cool for a small subsect of the market. But if you go out there and ask the people what they want and ask them what they're looking for, what they need, you can build a much better product. And it's the same thing with the website. So once we understand what the users want and what they need, we can craft the website to educate them better, to inform them better. The messaging will be a lot better because we understand what we're talking about now. That's one part of it, is just really understanding the user themselves and uh, customizing the website to them. Now, the other part to the research is Of course, we have to research the product itself and understand the product because, you know, we didn't build it. So we have to know it from a very fundamental level. So that includes researching the product itself, competitor analysis, just, you know, a bunch of things like that.
1: So as a SaaS, sometimes you look at research from the standpoint of email surveys out to your existing customers, or you may look at, you know, which parts of the site they're using well, or you may look at support and say, where are the problems coming in? with are the questions? And use that as research for developing your product roadmap. But when you're on your marketing site, what are the tools that you're using to understand these prospects who are customers yet and what they want and what's going to fit for them?
2: Great question, Jonathan. So research is always an ongoing process, or I believe it should be for, for any company. So the tools that we use on the marketing website are things like Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, heat map software, things like that. So basically what we're doing, once the website is launched, we're gathering more and more data. So this is continual research process. So we're looking at what users are doing on the website, maybe where they're dropping off, where they're getting confused. And then we're using that data to further tweak the design or further tweak the copy, whatever it might be. And just to try to keep improving the conversion rates. So there's a lot that goes into it. Of course, you could tweak thousands of things per page, but the more data you have on how people are actually using the website, the better you can tweak it to make it easier for them. So there's actually, I don't know how familiar you are with like heat mapping or you know some of these tools, but basically there are some tools out there where you can actually see what the users are doing. So you can see where they're clicking, you can see where they're you know dropping off. You can see see everything, which is really cool. And you use that data
1: to keep improving. So a screen recorder or something like Hotjar. Yeah, screen recorder, things like that. Excellent. So that'll help you on understanding navigationally, you know, where things are that can be improved. What about messaging from a messaging standpoint? Where do you get the research to really understand, you know, what are the key features that, or in this case, the solutions that a a customer really is going to care about? That's also a great question. And just before I forget, so one
2: other thing to your last question, Jonathan, conversions events tracking are very important. You want to see what your conversion rates are for certain conversions events, such as you know, book a demo or whatever your conversion might be for that page. And you can use the numbers as well to inform decisions. So I just wanted to add that piece. As for the messaging, The copywriting is probably, I'm not a copywriter myself, never has been one of my top skills. So it's probably the section that I know least about. But I know in terms of our process, our copywriters, what they do is they send out a pretty extensive questionnaire before we start. So they ask, they know what questions to ask, and they ask them. And then based on these questions, they will take that and then they'll do their research. So Kind of like I mentioned earlier, what we typically research are, of course, product itself, what you've done for your marketing, what has worked, what hasn't worked. We try to get an in-depth analysis of that. And again, like we work with a lot of companies that already have product market fit. Those companies typically know what their user base is or they have a good idea. So we speak to them, what kind of users they have and try to get to understand their ICP, their ideal client profile and things like that. And then the other thing is we do a lot of competitor analysis. So we see the competitors out there, see what they're doing, what's working for them. And then we kind of use that, like all, mix all that together and just really helps us understand the market.
1: Let me ask you some personal insights here. If you could go back in time to your younger self, you know, when you're just going out of college, still working on Backstreet Boys, what advice would you give yourself to kind of make life easier?
2: Stuff when I thought about this before, like sometimes I wish I could have gone back and maybe studied marketing or business in school. Like that's one thing I think of. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, I went through my journey, like I had to go through that for whatever reason. And it got me here. Maybe if I would have gone that route, I would have ended up, you know, in corporate and I probably wouldn't have ended up here at the end of the day, if you think about it. But if I had to make one change, I would definitely have studied something different like marketing or business in in university.
1: Interesting. Are there any books or podcasts that you recommend that you're like, wow, this really was, I love this, it's helped me, you know, something transformational for you?
2: Absolutely. I'll give you two. I'll give you one business-related one and one personal. Okay, so the business one is called Never Split the Difference. So it's a book. It helps you basically be a better negotiator and be better at sales. So the premise of the book is it's this guy who is like a high level negotiator for the FBI, actually not even a negotiator, like he would go into hostage situations and try to make sure that, you know, the hostages don't die. So he's under quite a bit of stress. He wrote a book and it helps you with sale to negotiating, basically. So that is one business related book that I would recommend, highly one of my favorites. And a personal one is called Proof of Heaven. Okay, so Proof of Heaven more on i guess the spiritual like religious side the premise of the book is it's a neurosurgeon who's an atheist doesn't believe in you know anything he's very logical very scientific and he falls into a coma and then he goes into this like experience where he goes into this like other world where it's kind of like heaven-like and he just speaks about it and he converts from an atheist to
1: more of a spiritual person that book was very uh It was life-changing for me when I read it. That's really cool. That's My favorite movie of all time is Contact back in the 90s. You may not have even seen it, but it's a similar premise. (laughs) He's a scientist who has to have face-to-face experience with something that can't be explained logically, but has to be experienced. Love that idea. Exactly. And I
2: resonate well with that book because I was like him, like engineering brain, very logical, and, you know, you go through things that you can't explain, and you know, it makes you change your perspective.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of senses that are beyond just the ones that we logically think about that are part of our human experience. And it's important to know those as well. That's awesome. What about software? Any particular software recommendations? Something that's new that you've discovered that's really helped you in work?
2: So there's a few things. One called Zyro, Z-Y-R-O. So it's an AI heat mapping tool. So typically heat maps only work if you have a lot of traffic, right? Now, this is a predictive heat mapping tool. So it predicts within 92% accuracy or something like that what the heat map will look like without sending any traffic to your designs or your website. So super interesting, super, super helpful. I think you can, anyone can use that to improve, or to improve your conversion rates. We use it for all of our designs before we send them out. So highly recommend that one. Any SEO tool, there's a few that we like. SEMrush, SEMrush, that's a good one. Search Atlas is a new one we started using. That also basically just gives you a ton of data on what people are searching for or where they're going on your website, you know, what keywords you want to rank for and optimize. I strongly believe that SEOs should be the basis of any marketing strategy, especially if you're in it for the long term. So SEMrush or Search Atlas are good tools to start with to just kind of get more data on those keywords and the content. I'd say those are the top two that we use to improve. There's so many. There's also an email marketing campaign tool, so-called Smart Leads. Smart Leads or instantly are the top two on the market right now. If you're doing email marketing or cold emails, I highly recommend one of those two. And then in terms of CRM, CRM is super important. Go High Level is one of the newer ones, but I think in five to 10 years, it's going to have a big market share. It's very robust. I'd recommend looking to go high level. It's also fairly cheap if you're you know, a startup. And then the other big one we see is HubSpot. So most people know HubSpot. It's big and you can't really go wrong with it as well.
1: Actually, well, tell us a little bit more about your agency now.
2: Sure. I started the agency in March 2020. So basically right when COVID hit. Yeah, it was uh, interesting timing. I believe it was lucky timing, but there's always a bit of luck in business. So, yeah, basically what we do, Jonathan, is we're a marketing agency for SaaS companies. We only work with SaaS companies. That's our goal. Our mission is to help, help empower SaaS companies to scale. So basically, I believe there's a lot of software out there that can do a lot of good for the world. We want to help those people get their product out to the world and, and make it successful. So, you know, in a roundabout way, it's about changing lives. So we want to help these SaaS companies change lives, basically. Basically, what we do is pretty straightforward. We build high-converting marketing websites for SaaS companies, and we do marketing for them. So that's, you know, paid ads or SEO. We just love to do that. The cool thing with SaaS is every single company is different. You know, that's the cool thing. Every single company is a unique challenge. Like, if we were in a different niche, if we were, like I said, with dentists or whatever, it would always be the same. It would be kind of boring. With SaaS companies, they're all different. And it's super interesting as well. Like, I have a personal interest in SaaS. Like, I love technology. I'm always trying out new softwares. I really hope we're helping them and really hope we're doing good in the world. And that's kind of our mission.
1: Yeah. Do you want to tell a story about a particular client that, you know, you felt like really did a good job for or where there was some transformational moments that happened there?
2: I have to go with Beacon CRM. So, yeah, again, CRM. But they're a CRM for charities. Again, that, that goes with our mission of, you know, trying to change lives and help the world. So there are a CRM specifically for charities. When we started out with them, they had a website, but it was pretty bad. And I think they'll, they'll admit it as well. It looked like it was made in the 90s. You know, their revenue was low and we just worked with them. Everything we discussed earlier, like the market research, the copy and creating the new website from design to development to, you know, pushing live and all that. So we actually helped them increase their leads by 52% in only one month. So after we pushed live, increased the leads by 52%, I actually don't know the number off the top of my head, but they came out probably four or five months ago. That was a big win for them, a big win for us as well. Like for me, I love working with companies that have a mission like that. It's just nice seeing
1: those guys win. You get a lot of opportunities to to do work, but not always do you have an opportunity to do work that you really feel has a mission besides just the business side of it. And so when you do have those opportunities, it's a great experience. And uh, there's a little something extra there to the work that you do. Exactly, like that
2: level of fulfillment and just knowing you've impacted lives in a positive way. There's nothing like it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Rami. I really appreciate the insights that you've shared. Some really great things here. For those of you in SaaS who are listening, I hope you've been taking notes because these are some great ideas that Rami has brought up. really appreciate it. Cutting edge
0: web content development is brought to you by Butter CMS. To find out how you can build better with Butter, stop wasting dev time and free your marketers from your legacy CMS, visit buttercms.com. Also, make sure to search for Cutting Edge Web Content Development in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at ButterCMS, thank you for listening.